0: Love our worship. Love our time of worship. Speaking of that, don't forget, Sunday night, February 21st, 7 o'clock, right here, we're going to be worshiping the Lord the whole night. Maybe we'll go till midnight. Who knows? <laughs> we'll just see. <laughs> Nicole's like, no, we're not. So we're not. Daniel chapter 6 tonight, another... Story from the Bible that we know very well, for the most part. But tonight I hope to maybe bring a little bit of a different perspective to Daniel chapter 6 tonight. We're going to be using nine words to sort of mark our journey through this chapter so that we can sort of have some markers for the twists and turns that are taking place. Before we do that, though, a couple of things. By this time, Daniel is in his 90s. He's no longer the young boy that was plucked from Judah and taken in exile to Babylon. He's went through the whole 70-year Babylonian captivity, and now he's in the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. And one thing, then, that that tells us is that we should never take our foot off the gas as a Christian, no matter what our age, that God can still use us, and that some of the greatest accomplishments for God happened when people were in their 80s and 90s and later years. And so I want you who may be a a little bit older, and I'm getting there quite rapidly myself, to be encouraged by a man like Daniel, who even into his 90s, he was still solidly serving the Lord. There's something else here. And that is that, again, let's remember what Daniel has lived through He has literally ridden through the ebbs and flows of human history. He's been plucked from his homeland. Then he is under another kingdom, never goes back home, by the way. And then that kingdom falls, and then another kingdom rises to world power, and now he finds himself in that kingdom. What should be encouraging to us as the people of God is this, that the rise and fall of nations have little significance to the ongoing of the people of God. doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. See, we, like God, because we are in God, we transcend human history. That's the great hope for us. It doesn't matter or shouldn't matter what kingdom we're in, who's ruling and reigning. If we believe that God is ultimately the one that's ruling and reigning and that he's in control, then we can be who we should be as the people of God no matter what is going on in the world and who's ruling, and who's in control. It should have very little to do with us because our life is not governed by the circumstances of this world or the situations in this world. They are governed by God, and he's constant. See, the world is like this. The world's like a roller coaster. The world's going to go through all the ebbs and flows of world history, but God is constant. God is consistent, and God enables his people to be consistent again, no matter what's going on in the world. We as Christians should not allow what's going on in the world to determine who we are. We should just be who we always should be, regardless of what the world is doing. And we see that tonight. That's the whole reason why Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den, is because they say, stop praying. And Daniel's not going to stop praying. If there's a law to stop praying, he's just going to keep on praying because he's not going to change fundamentally who he is before God. He's not going to stop worshiping his God. He's not going to stop praying. He's not going to stop getting into his word. He's not going to stop being who he needs to be regardless of what happens in the world. We need that message. And we need to be reminded that's actually a great hope for us because we don't take our cue from the rise and fall of kingdoms and who's on the throne and who's not on the throne and who's in power and who's not in power because ultimately God's the one who's in power. And he's sovereign and he's in control. So let's begin tonight by looking first of all in the first three verses at the promotion. That's the first key word. It helps us through our journey, the promotion. The promotion. It seemed like a good idea to Darius, who again is the king of the Medes and the Persians, to appoint over the kingdom 120 satraps who would be in charge of the entire kingdom. Over them would be three supervisors, of whom was Daniel. These satraps were accountable to them so that the king's interests might not incur damage. Now this Daniel was distinguishing himself above the other supervisors and the satraps, for he had an extraordinary spirit. In fact, the king intended to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Only Darius, the actual king, would have more authority and power and influence than Daniel. Now now think about this. Yeah, he's in his 90s at this point, but he's this exiled captive from Judah, and He was promoted in Babylon and gained great influence and made a great impact there in that kingdom. And guess what? He's taken up just where he left off with another kingdom because God is ultimately the one that promotes. And God wanted Daniel in that position of influence in the kingdom of the Medes and Persians, just as he did in Babylon, you see. God's ultimately in control. And so, again, it doesn't matter who's in charge. God's ultimately in charge. But notice, again, what we're going to find is, remember I said when we study the book of Daniel, one of the things that should encourage us and comfort us and strengthen us is just the reaffirmation that God is sovereign, God rules in the kingdom of men, the Most High God, Daniel 5, 21, and that he's in control at all times. The other main thing we learn from this is that we are challenged by the example of Daniel and his friends. And one of the things that you see throughout the book of Daniel is, no matter, again, who's in charge of whatever, Daniel just keeps being who Daniel's always been. And who's Daniel always been? This person who, notice verse 3, is distinguishing himself above others. He stands out. There's something different about Daniel. Literally, in the Hebrew, it means to be preferred. In other words, when there were leaders going around or anybody going around going, hmm, who would I choose for this? Daniel was always like the first pick. That brings back some, for me, some good memories and bad memories. Takes me back to my childhood when me and my friends would play pickup games and stuff like that, and We'd all stand against the fence, and there'd be two captains. And if you weren't one of the captains, then you just sort of waited for your name to be called, hoping that somebody would choose you. That somebody would think you're good enough that they would want you on their team. Well, guess what? God wants us on his team. God has already chosen us for his team. And he certainly prefers us, but he wants to live so much in reality through our lives that we even have others around us who go, man, if I had to pick someone for that, I think I would choose them because there's something different about them. It's their character. It's their integrity. It's their, it's their diligence. It's their it's their ambition. It, it's, it's their work ethic. It, it's their... It's it's all of these things that sets them apart. And we see that again in verse 3. It says he had an extraordinary spirit. Literally, it means he had an extraordinary attitude. I've said this before, and I'll say it again because it's an important reminder. It is not our aptitude, but our attitude that determines our altitude. Attitude is everything. And you and I choose our attitude every day of how we're going to get up and go through the day. And God wants to obviously shape our attitude through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and through his word and through worship and all of that. And Daniel had an extraordinary spirit. Notice these words, distinguishing, extraordinary. There was something special about Daniel. But as we've learned throughout our study of Daniel, there's really nothing that Daniel was doing that you and I, especially today, who have the indwelling Holy Spirit, couldn't be doing ourselves. Because we have the mind of God and the wisdom of God and the insight of God and the light of God inside of us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the fact that now another king from a whole different kingdom is wanting to promote Daniel just like King Nebuchadnezzar did, it's just amazing, you see. So there's really two things operating here at the same time. There's God who's in control, who's going to put Daniel where he wants to put Daniel, but Daniel's also the kind of person that God's going to choose also to put in that position because God knows he's trustworthy. He's not going to get a big head. He's not going to get lifted up in pride. The higher I exalt him, the the more prestige and all of that he has. Daniel's not, it's not going to go to Daniel's head. So I know I can trust him with this. And I know that he'll honor me in whatever position it is. And of course, later on, even if that means the possibility of being chewed up and swallowed by lions. So that's the promotion. Verse 4 then begins the plot just like we've seen previously in Daniel's life, and this is the way it will be with people, and especially Christians, who may stand out and distinguish themselves from others. People can get jealous and envious. And so consequently, the plot now thickens. Plot, second word, in verse 4. The supervisors and satraps were trying to find some pretext Some way to charge Daniel in connection with administrative matters, but they were unable to find any such damaging evidence. Why? Because he was above board. He did everything right. There was nothing in him that could be pointed at. Because, notice, he was trustworthy. He was faithful. Where did he learn to be trustworthy and faithful? From a faithful God who's trustworthy as well. And guilty of no negligence or corruption. Wow. That was not only hard to find 2,000 years ago, or actually in Daniel, they'd say almost 3,000 years ago. That's hard to find today. So these men concluded, verse 5, notice this. This is very interesting. We won't find any pretext against this man Daniel unless, unless it is in connection with the law of his God. What's that tell us about Daniel? It tells us this. God is not a part of Daniel's life. God is Daniel's life. Everything about Daniel is God, has something to do with God, because they couldn't find anything about the way he ruled and the way he led and all of that, but it's like, what's he known for? What stands out about Daniel always? Well, it's about his God. It's always about God with Daniel. I mean, what a great testimony to have that, that others who aren't even connected to God go, you know what, that guy or that gal, it's always about God with them. And yet Paul says, For me to live is what? Christ. That's what our life should be. And it can be that. And listen, you don't even have to be in full-time ministry to have a life that is basically all God, because no matter what your occupation or what you're doing, if you're connected to God all day long and you're in partnership with God with everything that you're doing, and you're just looking to him throughout your day for the wisdom and the wherewithal to do it and all of that, then God is your life too. And that's the way God wants his people to live. That it doesn't matter what label we have or what we're doing for a living or all of that, it can still be all about God. You see, and that was Daniel. Daniel. So we've seen the promotion. We've seen the plot. Let's move on then as we continue into the plot in verse 6. These supervisors and satraps came by collusion to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. To all the supervisors of the kingdom, the prefects, satraps, counselors, and governors, it seemed like a good idea for a royal edict to be issued and an interdict to be enforced. For the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human other than you, O king, should be thrown into the den of lions. Now let the king issue a written interdict so that it cannot be altered according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be changed. And that's a key in the story. Once they made a law... It could not be altered. So King Darius issued the written interdict. Now, I'm getting a little ahead of myself in a story, and you know the story. You, you know where I'm going here. King Darius could kick himself for this decision later on. He realized that these people who came to him played to his pride, and he took the bait. And so there's a cautionary tale, if you will, in here about making sure that we don't allow pride and those who play to pride to cause us to make some stupid decision or that the pride that wells up within us causes us to make a stupid decision because that's what happened here. He got caught up in, oh, yeah, let's let's do that. And he didn't take time, even as a great leader, to think through all the ramifications and consequences and what could be the fallout of that decision. It just felt good, because it's like, yeah, nobody's going to acknowledge anybody else but me. But look at the perseverance. That's the next word, verse 10. Promotion, plot, and now perseverance in verse 10. When Daniel realized that a written decree had been issued, what did he do? The same thing he does every day. He entered his home, where the windows in his upper room opened toward Jerusalem. Three times daily, he was kneeling and offering prayers and thanks to his God, just as he had been accustomed to previously. <laughs> he was who he always was, regardless of what was going on. By the way, not only was Daniel committed to prayer, but the word thanks in the net translation in verse 10 literally means to praise. Daniel was praying, a praying man and a praising man. That should be two priorities in our life as well. And again, Daniel didn't change his habits Even when the law changed, there was a consistency and constancy to his walk with God. It's important because there will come a day where we as Christians, even in this country, may have to choose between worshiping God or suffering consequences. Got to be okay with that. Are we (laughs) that committed and that consistent and that constant that no matter what is going on in the world, we just keep humming along, being who we are, and we let the consequences and how all that falls out to who? The God who's in control. You see. Then those officials who had gone to the king came by collusion and found Daniel doing what? doing what he always did, praying and asking for help before his God. If there's one thing that has been encouraging to me since we reopened in May, even here at the Oasis, is I'm seeing a greater consistency, if you will, and constancy amongst the people here. There used to be that, you know, there'd be... This, you know, up and down, hot and cold. And what I'm seeing is that God is building because we're willing to allow him to build within us just that consistency. Because that's who God is, and that's who he wants his people to be, you see. And that's Daniel. But now let's look at verse 12, the prosecution, the next word. Promotion, plot, perseverance, prosecution. They approached the king and said to him, Did you not issue an edict to the effect that for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human other than you, O king, would be thrown into a den of lions? The king replied, That is correct, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be changed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, pays no attention to you, king. Literally, he disrespects you. Guess what? That's not true. They tried to throw that at Daniel, about Daniel, back when Nebuchadnezzar ruled in Babylon, and Nebuchadnezzar didn't buy that either because he wasn't a disrespectful person. Even when, as we saw in chapter 1, he may disagree with something that he was asked to do, he always handled it with the authorities over him in an honorable and respectful way. He always worked within the chains of command. He never went outside of it, even in an ungodly kingdom like Babylon or the Medes and the Persians. When the king heard this, verse 14, here it is, he was very upset. Literally, he was displeased with himself because he realized, I got suckered into this. I'm going to lose my right hand. I'm going to lose the man that I depend upon to help me lead this kingdom more than anybody else simply because of my pride. In fact, it says until late afternoon, he was struggling to find a way to rescue him. How can I get out of this? But knowing that once he signed it, there's really no way out. Then those men came by collusion to the king and said to him, Recall, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no edict or decree that the king issues can be changed. So now we come to the next word in our journey, penalty, verse 16. So the king gave the order, and Daniel was brought and thrown into a den of lions. The king consulted Daniel by saying, Your God, whom you continually serve, will rescue you. Notice that Daniel even had the reputation of consistency with the king. The word continually could mean consistent. And by the way, the word serve means worship because we worship God through prayer, through praise, through service. There's so many different ways we express our worship to God, but Daniel was a consistent worshiper. Three times a day, and that's just one of the aspects. He knelt before the Lord, and he took time to pray and to praise his God. Consistency. Listen, that's why this is such a great message, because so many times we focus on the whole Daniel got thrown into the lion's den and he got saved, but there's something going on here that we must catch, and that is the thing that brought this all about was that God is a constant, consistent God, and because of that, he enabled his servant Daniel to be constant and consistent, and that was the reason why he was thrown into the lion's den. Because Daniel would not change who he fundamentally was and would not stop worshiping his God no matter what was going on in the world and who was ruling and reigning and what the law was. He was just going to be the same. And so all of us can just... Always, you know, that, that, that's a great reminder for all of us that I need to always go. How consistent am I being? How constant am I being in my walk with God? Then a stone was brought and placed over the opening to the den. The king sealed it with his signet ring and with those of his nobles so that nothing could be changed with regard to Daniel. Then the king departed to his palace but spent the night without eating. No diversions, no music was brought to him. He was unable to sleep. What do I see here? I see a pagan king who actually loves and respects Daniel. I mean, think about it. Most pagan kings, this guy in his 90s who's lived as an exile through Babylon, and now he's in my kingdom, most could care less. He's just one other life that just, you know. No, Darius... By the way, the greatest king of the Mede and Persian Empire, just like Nebuchadnezzar was the greatest king of the Babylonian Empire, loved Daniel, respected Daniel, admired Daniel. I mean, even he said, you know, you're you're God whom you continue, he could rescue you. I just know. I mean, what a testimony, what a witness Daniel has been to all these leaders of these great kingdoms. No wonder. About a 1,000 years later, there were wise men who journeyed from afar of that part of the world to come all the way to Bethlehem guided by that star. Why were they even looking for the Messiah? Because of the influence of a man like Daniel. What an influence he had for generations after him. The seeds that he planted while he was there were continuing to bear fruit long after he died. That's a great encouragement for all of us. When we plant our seeds for God, those can remain fruitful for generations to come. Next word, verse 19, preservation. In the morning at the earliest sign of daylight, the king got up and rushed to the lion's den. As he approached the den, he called out to Daniel in a worried voice, literally a voice that was filled with grief and pain like, oh, Daniel, I sure hope your God did deliver you because I don't know what I could do without you. Daniel, servant of the living God. I love that. Again, remember, this is not a believer. This is a pagan king. He's saying, Daniel... How do I characterize you? You're a servant of a God who's alive. Was your God, whom you notice, continually or consistently serving, able to rescue you from the lions? Well, we know the answer to that. But before we move on, let me say this. Important point here for all of us. Our God is always able to rescue Always. There's never a question about God's ability. That, no. God is always able. That's never the question. The question is, does that line up with the will of God? God's always able. He's always able to heal anything and everybody and all of that. He's able to do all of that. And if God chooses not to express his ability to do whatever he wants to do because he can do anything, nothing is too hard or difficult for him. If he chooses not to exercise that ability, it's because he has something better in mind. That's where we have to, even as Christians, we have to embrace that. First of all, God, our God is always able. So I just tell you right now, I, I pray some audacious prayers to God. Just like right now, I'm praying for total healing for that young lady of ours in the hospital tonight. Because God can do it. No big deal to God. All he has to do is speak the word and it would be done. As we saw Sunday, God can raise the dead. That's pretty pretty spectacular. So it's never about God's ability. Where most of us then struggle is, okay, God, I know you're able, but why did you not? Why didn't you? And that's where we have to have the faith to go because God has something better. If God chooses not to exercise his ability, if God would have chosen not to shut the mouths of the lions in the lion's den, it doesn't mean God's not in control. It doesn't mean God is not almighty and all-powerful and has all ability to do all things. It simply means he had something better in mind. And you and I have to, we have to get there, and we have to go through our Christian life maintaining that because we can get sort of drug away from that position even once we get settled there. Because maybe something does hit pretty close to home, and we pray about it, and we say, God, just like Paul, I want you to take this thorn away. And we know God could, but God says, no, it's a better plan for me to give you the grace to deal with it. Either way, we win because God either does a miracle or does some spectacular deliverance or rescue like he does with Daniel, or God will let us live with his supernatural grace to be able to handle it and deal with whatever it is. Either way, we win because why? Because we have the God of the universe who's enabling us to do whatever because we never walk alone, never. He's faithful. He's faithful. Then Daniel, verse 21, spoke to the king and said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and closed the lion's mouth so that they have not harmed me, because I was not found to be innocent before him. Or excuse me, because I was to be innocent before him. Nor have I done any harm to you, O king. Now, I want to say this before we move on. This is an important principle, too, that Daniel gives us here that's a great example. Notice something. Daniel did not defend himself except after he was given the opportunity to be put to the test. Mark that down. That's important. Daniel did not... He didn't say... You know, hey, he didn't try to go to the king and say, hey, those guys, they're envious of me, they're jealous of me, they just tried to use you and they appealed to your pride. He leaves that all up to God. He he only, in a sense, asserts his innocence after he's been put to the test and come through. Then the king was delighted, and gave an order to haul Daniel up from the den. So Daniel was hauled up out of the den. He had no injury of any kind because, why? He had trusted in his God. And I love this. If you study that word trusted in verse 23, it literally means to be sure. He was sure in his God. You see, it was his God that provided the stability and the security and the surety, if you will, to his life. Not who was ruling and reigning and what the laws were and all this. It was his stability, security, and surety was in God, because he knew my God is the one who's ultimately in control. Just like with his friends, God wants to save us from the fire; He can if. God chooses not, and we burn up. Guess what? We're going to glory anyway, so we can't lose. And Daniel, I'm sure, was the same way. Again, by this time, he was in his 90s. He'd lived a good, obviously very productive and fruitful life. It's like, if I'm going to go by getting eaten by lions, might not be the way I would have chosen, but I still get to go to glory, so I'm good with it. But if God chooses, I know my God. He can shut the lion's mouths, and that's exactly what he did. So notice verse 24, the punishment, next word. The king gave another order, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den, they, their children, their wives. You go, whoa, why that? Well, that's the way they did it back then. Seriously, whoever was guilty of something, their whole family got in on the punishment. That that was their way of dealing with it. And oh, by the way, this is important. They did not even reach the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. And the reason I say that's important is because there have been some skeptics who go, well, you know what? They fed those lions a bunch. Those lions weren't hungry, so when Daniel went in, they weren't even hungry. Weren't hungry, right? No, I don't think that was it. Those lions were so hungry that the other folks that got thrown in didn't even hit the bottom, and those lions devoured them. Which then leads to verse 25, the proclamation. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and language groups who were living in all the land. Again, don't miss the fact this is the kingdom that now rules the world. Think about the influence that this man, Darius, has. Peace and prosperity. I have issued an edict that throughout all the dominion of my kingdom, people are to revere and fear or respect the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed, his authority is forever. Whoa, that'll preach. He rescues and delivers and performs signs and wonders, miracles, the God of miracles, in the heavens and on the earth. And he has rescued or delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. And my friends, he's the same God today, he's still alive. He still endures. His kingdom will not be destroyed. He's going to build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. His authority is forever. He still rescues and delivers. He still performs miracles, and he's still rescuing and delivering today. Because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And so the same God who has taken care of you yesterday and been there for you yesterday is the same God that you and I had today watching over our lives. And guess what? Then we don't need to be afraid or or be uh, insecure about tomorrow because the same God who watched over us every day in the past and watched over us today and took care of us is the same God that's going to do it every day until we meet him in glory. Final verse, final word prosperity. So, this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. You better believe he did. You know what the word prospered literally means? To advance. Think about that. Daniel's in his 90s and he's still tracking for God, he's still growing. He's still maturing. He's still advancing. There's no retreat with Daniel, as Mike was saying the other Sunday. I like that. Why are we going to... Why are we having all these retreats? Let's charge. Well, that was Daniel. Daniel was never about going backwards. Daniel was always about going forwards. And the greatest sort of commitment that you and I could make is that God... I'm going to strive to be like Daniel. I'm going to continue to advance and continue to progress and continue to grow and mature and keep moving forward with you until the day I come to meet you in glory, God. That's what prosperity is. Not the material prosperity of the prosperity gospel, if you will, but spiritual prosperity, gaining more of God and having God gain more of us. Because in a sense, as God always reminds me, we get all of God. Our Christian life is lived out as God seeking more of us. It's us being willing to surrender more of ourselves and more of our lives and turning it more and more over to him. And that's really what worship is. It's about surrender to God. What an amazing God A God that works no matter what kingdom's in charge, because guess what? God's ultimately in charge. A God that it doesn't matter who the king is, God's still the ultimate king of kings and lord of lords. You and I don't need to try to figure out what our next move is based on what the world's doing. God just says, just keep finding your life in me, I'm your constant. I'm your North Star. I'm that guide up there like the pilots use. You know, when they go up in the air, there's those highways in the sky. And when pilots are learning to fly, they have to learn to figure out when they pre-program those markers in the the sky, and they have to hit those marks. God is saying to us as Christians, I'm your mark. (laughs) Just wake up every day and just point yourself towards me, and I'll get you through every day. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being such an amazing God. You are showing us in the book of Daniel that kingdoms come and go, but it has little to do with the ongoing of your people, God. You transcend history, and therefore we, your people, transcend what's going on in history. We rise above it because we have already been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms And we don't have to be dictated to by what's going on on earth. We can be above it, Lord, with you. And Daniel is a great example for all of us that we just need to keep being the people of God regardless of what the world is going after and what it's doing. God, set our hearts on you. Set our hearts afire for you. Remind us, God, that you are our refuge, you are our refreshment. You are our all in all, each and every day. And that everything we'll ever need or ever want, we can find just within you, God. May we point ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.